Those of you who have had the blessing of children in your life, some of these children that were just in front of us, those of you who have children currently with you or children that you've raised in the past, you certainly know that raising a child is very hard work. All of these folks sitting in the back back there, they know it's very hard work. That's why they're sitting in the back. And that's certainly where Audrey and I are in our life right now. Yes, I know that some of you out there are going to say, but Father Donovan, we've seen your daughter. She's so cute. She's so happy and energetic and well-behaved all the time. And my reply to that is, yeah, right. Sure, she is very cute. And yes, she's very, 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 very energetic. And yes, at least half of the time, she's pretty well behaved, but she's also got some Irish and Appalachian blood pulsing through those cute, energetic little veins. And none of those facts really take into account what I think is perhaps the biggest issue that is making raising a child extra trying for Audrey and me right now. That issue is that we ain't in our 20s anymore. We're not even in our 30s anymore. Really, as my wife and I age through our mid-40s now, working full-time, raising our darling daughter, ending almost every night, feeling like some invisible vampire has drained us of all of our energy. I'm not talking about my daughter either. It's an invisible vampire. And then falling asleep on the couch almost as soon as we get our daughter into bed, I suddenly come to realize just why I blocked all of this out from my memory from the past. It's because raising a child is hard work. All I can say is, thanks be to God, I'm very blessed with a truly saint-like wife who was raised well by her Catholic father, her older honest sister, and at least a couple of her five brothers. Audrey helps us stay focused, and more importantly, she helps me somehow remain under control. One of the things that we've both tried hard to be diligent about, especially during the age of four, is that basic moral lesson for a child. Never forget to say please and thank you. Like all cute children, our daughter gets offered gifts all the time, whether it's the chocolate chip cookie she gets every time we roll into Publix or the sticker that the cashier always presents her with at Target. In each case... It's the excitement of receiving that Aoife gets caught up into at first. And that's where we as parents have the responsibility to step in with the reminder that she must ask for the cookie or sticker with a please and never forget to show her appreciation of receiving it by saying thank you. And if she can't say both, we will very likely assert our parental authority, whatever that may be and either refuse the gift or take the gift away from her. By doing so, the basic instruction in right mannerism, social etiquette, and basically good Christian morality is taught and hopefully begins to be ingrained into our child. And really, we all do this because someone took the time to do it for us when we were children. Because whether we like it or not, we know it is absolutely required if we are going to be respectful and begin doing for others as we would like them to always be doing for us. This, of course, is what Jews and Christians have called the golden rule from, I believe, the time the Lord created the world. And none of us ever want to be that one who's accused of not saying thank you, 
by someone who respectfully and freely does something generous or caring for us. The story that we hear again this morning from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke is in and of itself a story concerning that same golden rule, only on a much deeper, much more serious level. The scripture is continuing to follow Jesus as it has over the last few weeks as he and his disciples make what will be their final journey to Jerusalem, the journey that will end with the ultimate sacrificial act of giving ever made for the salvation of the entire world. That is, of course, the death of Jesus on the cross. And while they're traveling on that road between Samaria and Galilee, they pass through what the gospel calls a village, which looks to have been set up for those driven out of the greater community because they bear an illness which at that time proclaimed them unclean under the law of Moses, a village for those who have contracted the deadly disease of leprosy. Now, I'm sure many of you already know that from even before the time of Jesus, all the way up to the 19th and 20th century, those who carried that disease of leprosy have been ostracized and forced to live apart from their families and from their communities. For the Jewish culture more than 2,000 years ago, that came out of the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 13, beginning at the 45th verse, which says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease and he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So it is within this shunned location that comes out of the book of Leviticus from the very beginning of the Jewish culture and tradition and faith that we find Jesus and his disciples. And as Jesus passes through, the gospel tells us that 10 lepers immediately spot him in that village and staying at the distance required of them by the law, they still begin to cry out to catch Jesus's attention. It's obvious here that the stories of Jesus and his miraculous deeds to heal have spread far and wide throughout that upper country of Judea. And these 10 lepers now call out to the great healer saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now Luke doesn't really give us much more information after that, only that Jesus, obviously hearing their cry, looks over at these men who are carrying the disease of leprosy and then says only this, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now I don't know about you, but go and show yourselves to the priests seems a long way from what I would want to hear, which is you are healed. But for those Jews suffering from leprosy in the first century, it was all they really needed to hear. You see, in that same book of Leviticus that casts out lepers as unclean in the sight of God, it also states that should the unclean person ever recover from their leprosy, the first thing they must do to be received back into the community is to go straight to the synagogue and show themselves to the priest. For it is only the priest who can declare them clean. So for these ten lepers, Jesus has just given them the proclamation that they've been longing for. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And the gospel immediately says that as they begin to run back towards the community, as they run, 
they are made clean. Now I wonder, can you imagine what a joyous moment that must have been for these men carrying that terrible disease? To have lost all hope, to have come to the realization that there was nothing you or anyone else could do to save you, and then to find yourself suddenly on the other side, miraculously in recovery, restored, given a second chance. It's really no wonder that none of them hang around to say anything else to this very man who has just healed them. None of them, we are told, except for one. The gospel says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And as if that weren't enough, the Gospel of Luke adds one more important detail. This individual who is thanking Jesus isn't one of his fellow Jews. He's a Samaritan, a person who was looked down upon by the local religious establishment and community of Jesus' time. Not only a foreigner, but one who, whether he has leprosy or not, will always be viewed as unclean by the Hebrew people. And yet he is the one who remembers that it is God who has done this. And so he returns to Jesus to give the appropriate thanks. And so Jesus says, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Has none of them found Return and given praise to God except this foreigner? I really think it's as if Jesus is trying to catch the attention of all of those who are standing around him and say this, isn't everyone here taught by their mothers and fathers to say thank you? And did not one here in our own native land remember how important it is to always give thanks to God first and foremost? Brothers and sisters, over the past few weeks, Mother Lisa and I have been preaching on the things that God constantly offers us freely out of his never-ending love for us as his children to make us whole and to help us find the hope that we need. How just a little talk with Jesus can change our lives and our world if we find a way to make that talk an important part of our daily lives. How God can take our anger, he can take our frustration, our sorrows and our fears, and through his love and forgiveness, change all of them into resurrection. None of us today in this church are lepers, thanks be to God, but we all still struggle And we all suffer from the sin that makes us feel ostracized, alone, and forsaken. And all of us, whether we can accept it or not, depend upon God to show us mercy, even when it feels that mercy has completely been lost everywhere else in our lives. No matter how smart or healthy or powerful or wealthy we may become, we will all one day face the simple fact that we ourselves cannot fix all of our problems. We cannot build the bridge that we need or heal ourselves with all the things and the gadgets and the science and the medicine that we count on. One of these days, we are all going to have to cry out that same cry the ten lepers cried out to Jesus, saying, Master, have mercy on me. Now, I know many of you have already had to do that in your lives. That's why I think so many people are here this morning. 
I can certainly tell you right now, I've had to cry out to Jesus many times to have mercy on me. Like many of you, I've lost those that I've loved. I found myself in hospital beds and ICU. I've stood on the other side of failed marriage and had to face the pain of divorce. I felt alone and I felt utterly lost. Yet in every situation, somehow, thanks be to God, I've been able to put faith in the one place where faith is needed, in Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God's unfailing love, I've somehow found myself emerging out of that dark pit. Sometimes it isn't where I expected to be. Sometimes it's not where I asked God to be. But I've still found healing on the level that I really needed in my life at that time. And I bet right now you're thinking I'm going to tell you that every time, just as my mama taught me, I remembered to say thank you to God. But that's not true. I haven't always made time for God, and I certain, ha, certainly haven't always thrown myself down at the feet of Jesus as I certainly should have. But you know what? God will never turn us away, even if we forget to show our gratitude in that moment of sudden healing or salvation. The gospel this morning doesn't tell us that Jesus withdrew the healing grace from the nine lepers who failed to say thank you. God never stops responding to our cries, even when we fail to know it or to believe it. That's just how much God loves you and God loves me. And God certainly knows that raising disciples is very hard work. We are God's children, and God is working hard to show us every day that if we do give thanks, if we do take time to worship Him and to praise Him and to follow Him more closely, then there will, be, there will never be a place where we aren't able to dig ourselves out of the hole we fall into. For it is our faith that can get us back on our way, no matter how hard the road is or how dark the tunnel seems. That's the promise that makes giving thanks to God totally worth it for you every single morning and totally worth it in your day-to-day -day lives and totally worth it in that hard work that leads to Christian discipleship. Brothers and sisters, let us never lose grasp of that and let us never forget to find ways every day to give our thanks back to God. If you do that, you will see your life transformed by God's healing love that comes through faith. Thanks be to God.